Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, the podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. Today, Josh, we're going to be talking about the Olympics and the financial impact it has on the host country right now. I mean, depending on when this comes out, they're either just wrapped up or kind of wrapping up at this point. That's right. Um, so, so USA. Woo, woo, go woo. USA. Okay, well, you need to calm down a little bit because the bald eagle on your shoulder scaring me a little bit. So let's just... America. Let's pause that. America. Let's pause that. He's looking hungry. And I have this zucchini chocolate muffin. Chocolate zucchini. It's chocolate zucchini. heavy More chocolate, chocolate than, than zucchini. zucchini. There's a, the so ratio. Was this is, for Sawyer? That was my oldest yeah. daughter's chocolate. I know she was a chocoholic, so. And she requested those. So that's going to be the. made them. They're great. Brought some in to share. That's the reward yeah. of That'll be recording this recording, episode. Eat the muffin. It's pretty much a salad. It, it's got to be. I mean, it's a vegetable muffin, so it's good for you all around I, i'm pretty excited so yes summer olympics they're either going on or they're kind of wrapping up and we thought it would be fun to look at the financial aspect of the olympics so let's start at the process for a country to kind of become the host of the olympics and all the costs that go into that yep so like you said tokyo is one that won the rights to host the 2020 summer I know. olympics i know first which of are all in 2021 we're in 2021 we're doing the 2020 olympics now does that mean in three years we're going to have the next one but next year we're going to have the yes. winter yes i don't think they're changing anything else besides this, this i point. have been to tokyo it is a big city yes um i like it a lot it's fun good time apparently right now they're during the olympics going on they're having a bunch of protests that the olympics should have still been canceled but they're clearly not because they're going on yes. right now no bueno. Yep. Well, let's look at the process. So in order to host the Olympics, you have to be selected by the Olympic Committee, International Olympic Committee. And since 1999, this process has kind of consisted of two phases. The first one is any city that is interested in hosting the Olympics will submit a bid before the deadline. And so once the deadline, Finley could... Submit yeah, a, anybody. Yep. Let's do it. And actually, I saw when, in researching this that for this 2020 Olympics, the U.S. So each country usually has their own Olympic committee that then manages all the sports and all stuff. They refused to submit a bid because they are having some sort of feud with the International Olympic Committee over something. I'm not even sure what, but they didn't want to submit a bid even though they were kind of hoping at least one U.S. But Las Vegas, on their own, Outside of any Did kind it, of support, they, they submitted their own bid on their own, but it was rejected by the Olympic Committee, huh. probably because they didn't have the full support of the U.S. piece of it. Anyway, side note there. So you submit your application, and then these applicant cities are required to answer this questionnaire, and it covers all... They have all these questions, and they look at the city size and their infrastructure and um, environmental impact for everything. And So they all this stuff goes in. All right. Then the IOC, they analyze these and they narrow it down. All right. They're looking at the strengths and weaknesses and all that. Okay. Once they do that, then they push it down to the next phase where since they, okay, maybe there was 30 cities. Okay. And now we're down to five. Here's the realistic Here's options. Here's the ones that we yeah. have said for this next one. It doesn't mean, for instance, we'll talk about it. 
Tokyo tried earlier and failed, and then they went again. You're and not you just, out. Yeah, yeah. You know, another year you can try again. But mm-hmm. for this this Olympics, this time frame, they narrow it down, and then once they accept those, they're now candidate cities. So they went from applicant cities to candidate cities, and they're now required to submit a second questionnaire, which is just a more detail of what the original thing was. Because you know they may say in the original thing, we will have. 500 new hotels within X miles, whatever. And then they're going to want details. So actually play this out first. What is it going to be, right? So they do more details. By the way, a typical city will spend somewhere between 50 and $100 million That's between consultants, organizers, travel related to all this. That's a lot of money. That is a lot uh, of money. Tokyo in 2016, which was for the prior Olympics, they bid on that. They spent $150 million and lost... That bidding process, so that money is spent, gone. Gone. They spent seventy-five million and were successful in twenty twenty. They yeah. streamlined. Well, that's again, said, well, that seventy-five million probably just went to update the analysis that right. was done you know, from the twenty sixteen bid. But what that's showing ahead. also is that there's like a four-year lead on well, these things yeah. because just as we're sitting here, it was a week or two ago. Well, Australia got announced as the twenty twenty-four summer games. Yeah, and it's Sydney. some of them are even farther ahead than that. Yeah. Um, they're announcing because there's a time frame. You got to build out that infrastructure. Oh, yeah. You got to build those places that are going to host the events. So that's just a reference point. You know, so there's a lot of money spent on this. The members of the committee also make a four day inspection of each of those candidate cities to see kind of what their proposed venues are going to be. Go into more details about all the stuff that's going on within that proposal. So you know, if you're Tokyo and you say, "Hey, this is where I'm putting the swimming pool," and you walk around like it's on the side of a mountain. Like, this isn't <laughs> Where's gonna this going to go? It's not going to be ideal. Right, right. And so like, you, you got to go through and, and lay it out. So then once they have that, they actually... This was interesting. I did not know this. When the IOC meets to decide the winner, they always meet in a country that did not submit an application. Neutral. Yes. Neutral that ground. There's no, there's no bias. Form. And right. There's been issues in the past about corruption and you know people paying some of those committee members to vote one way or another. And the voting process pretty much is each round they they vote until there's a majority for one city. So the first round, you know, there may be I don't know eight or ten cities and right. they're spread out between the committee members and you don't have you know an absolute majority. So they'll say okay, which ones didn't get it? Throw them out, revote until they get that last one. Yep. So here's a question. It's yeah. not really related to this, but it popped into my head. So I had friends who were swimmers in college. Mm-hmm. They said that it was considered good luck and kind of their duty to pee in every pool. That's a weird. That they, they, I've heard that, that, that they a lot. swim yeah. that they competed in. Yes. Do the Olympics? These Olympics are these are the premier swimmers in the entire world. I'm going to tell you. T- do they pee in the Olympic pool? I'm going to tell you that a lot of athletes are superstitious. So my so if my they did it somewhere else, is, if they did it and kept winning, they're going to do it again. You better believe they kept. And you doing might be that. lighter weight. Who knows? You might be okay. That was not related. But that was just, all these new suits. You mentioned probably pool. like, yeah, pools. <laughs> all right. So once that city is chosen, like you said, it's years down the road from when they're actually going to host the Olympics. All right. So their job then is to then start building out not only the facilities but the infrastructure because you're going to have a lot more people coming in for this event. Yeah, Tokyo has cardboard beds for everyone. Yes, I saw that. That's real. So, yeah. it's Who knows why? Interesting. 40,000 people. They they estimate that within like the Olympic Village, you need 40,000 available hotel rooms or, you know, places to stay. And so there's there's a lot that needs to build out. Most cities don't have that ready to go. We there's don't. There's additional stuff yeah. built. 
So all that rail lines, you know, if you watch the Olympics, not every, you know, Tokyo is hosting, but some of these events are not directly downtown. I mean, you're oh, yeah. moving around. Yeah. You're, you, you may be a half an hour, hour away f- for one event to another. Yep. If you think back to like the Winter Olympics that they had over in Sochi, yep. you know, that you were traveling. Because if you're going down this mountain that's designed for skiing, skiing that's not going to be great for figure skating. Right. And, it, you know, you're all over. So, you know, transportation is important, all that stuff. A couple examples. Overall infrastructure, they say, costs somewhere between five and fifty billion. That's a big. It's a big swing. Rio, which was more recent Olympics, yep, constructed fifteen thousand new hotel rooms to help accommodate for tourists. Okay. Sochi invested approximately forty-two and a half billion for non-sports structures in the Mm twenty fourteen Olympics. So that's just an example of now. Those things are still available post Olympics, right? And they can be used. Um, And we'll talk about that a little bit. London paid $14.6 billion when they hosted the Olympics and the Paralympics. That's the other thing, too. Paralympics and Olympics go together mm-hmm. on all these places. They had that in 2012. So of $14.6 billion from London, we actually have the breakdown, $4.4 billion came from taxpayers. Your tax so, dollars, hard at work. And that you'll see this as the case in a lot of places. Beijing spent $42 billion. In 2008, Athens spent 15 billion in 2004, and in fact, Athens, their taxpayers will pay about fifty-six thousand six hundred thirty-five dollars annually until this debt is paid off. Not now, each taxpayer. Mm-hmm. Really? Now, if you recall, they had some issues with their banking with the system, debt, with <laughs> yeah. debt, and they've had some. You know, that was it was a burden too much, and that was part of the revolt. And so that was kind of the estimate of what needed to be paid to pay off this debt per person. Now, obviously, they're not writing checks. Every individual no, is not exactly. doing that. But that was the... If you just took the debt yeah. by people... It's spread that across was the, corporations oh, and high-income yeah. earners right. and stuff. Yeah, But that was just to give you an idea of kind of the cost for hosting Olympics. Beijing, they spent over $22.5 billion just building the roads and airports and stuff. And then they spent eleven billion on environmental cleanup because that's part of the thing that especially going forward looks at is what will be the environmental impact on this whole thing and they want you to offset some of that so you've laid out a lot of costs this is a very costly thing to do it does not seem like it Mm -hmm. is a money-making endeavor so it is not for most places unless Um, you're a winner and as an individual at a country yes then you do okay los angeles is the only host city that realized a profit from the gains, and that was back a handful of years ago, and no one has done it since then. And so that's just... Well, let me tell you what. Los Angeles last hosted the Olympics in 1984. That was the last time a city turned a profit. In fact, here's another stat I found. In 2006, Montreal finally finished paying off the debt from their games. 30 years. Which they hosted in 1976. Yeah, exactly. 30 so years. Of, gives you an idea. That's crazy. But there is income from this. Oh, so yeah. Why would a city want to do it? It's a couple things. One, the prestige being, yay, you know, look what we did. The second one is you do bring in income and you do have continuing income because people still visit those places. You can still go to certain places and see those events, the infra- you know, all the stuff that was built up for it. And so London brought in 5.2 billion and they spent 18 billion. So there's your there's 13 the billion dollars. Yeah. Now that was on the event. Now again, the carryover yeah. is, you know, in future years the hotels you built, they're still having people get their room. So, you know, you make up more of that money over time. Vancouver brought in 2.8 billion after spending 7.6. So, you know, a little bit narrow gap mm-hmm. there and that was the Winter Olympics. 
Beijing had 3.6 billion of income and spent 40 billion on the Summer Olympics. That was a big, the gap big there. loss there. Yep, and then I, I already mentioned Los Angeles was the last one to actually have a profit. That is significant. Not money making money usually, right. but yeah. like and you said, there is a lot more that goes into it. I'm sure that there's a lot of subsidies yeah. um, and everything from the government that yeah. would probably come and from what's that too. Important to note out is a lot of these cities that money spent on infrastructure, especially, is one probably needed, oh, and yeah. two is a long term benefit because you improve roads, railways, railroads, all that stuff. That's that's yep. going to be. It's hard to put a dollar amount on what you actually got out of that because you're not getting straight income from those things. So it's it's one of those things you just got to understand. Cities aren't getting into this because they end up with profit necessarily. They get into this because, one, it's great revenue booster for a short term for especially small business owners and those type of things in the area because when they come in, they're spending for food and all that stuff. But from a city itself and a budget standpoint, you're not making money. Okay. You know what you can put a price tag on, though? What's that? A dad joke of the week. Dad joke. It's priceless. I got you, Josh. Why can't pirates finish the alphabet? They get lost at they sea. They barely get into that alphabet. Or they lost an eye. They lost an eye. Or they can't. They, they, once they get to X, they stop. Yeah, because that marks the spot. See, I got I got, you got a lot of those here. jokes. It goes anyway for that. R slash dad jokes. Reddit. Perfect. Follow it. Love it. We got lost So we've kind of looked, historically speaking, at how countries how cities you know bid and win the rights really to have um the olympics on their location we've talked about the expenses that they occur to prepare for that which is substantial then we offset that with the income that they generate from that that's really all historically looking let's turn the page to 2020 slash 2021 because it's kind of the same (laughs) so we're looking at the 2020 olympics happening in 2021 and we're in tokyo Tokyo. So talk a little bit about the current Olympic situation yeah. in Tokyo. Yeah. So if, like you said, they were originally supposed to happen last summer. COVID-19, the virus that caused them to push it a year back, the hope was that they would be able to recoup some of those missed costs because as of last year, they were just, it was, there was no vaccine. There was no way of safely hosting. We're at a spot now where the Olympic Committee in Tokyo felt like they could host this with a lot better safety measures in place. One of the things is that they have restricted the number of spectators. Some some events have none. Yes. And worth noting that local ticket sales usually account for 70 to 80% of the total income from the game. So you thought those earlier Olympics were money-losing endeavors? This one's going to be even more. Yep. So fans are now banned from many events or limited in capacity. The Olympic organizers announced in March that they had to refund over 600,000 tickets. Whoa. So that's a big deal. That is crazy. Yep. And then last December, they announced that the total cost for holding out on waiting was $15.4 billion. And that includes their all their build-up to it as well. And then $2.4 billion was unprecedented postponement from then to now. So the projected post-bill for all this has risen now to $3 because that was December. So now $3 billion cost on top of what they had already spent in that 15 whatever. And so it's now projected to be upwards of $26 billion when you count in like the lost revenue. So that was right. actual cost incurred right. for delaying it. But then when you look in the impact of fewer spectators, all that, it's now going to be maybe $26 billion 
overall hit yeah. from everything. So crazy. Obviously, this is some big bills. And um, how are these big bills funded? Well, a lot of that is through sponsorships. Mm-hmm. We've seen that in pretty much every Olympics. Yep. But you know, TV ads are big, and local advertisements on banners and stuff is huge. So. More than 60 Japanese companies together paid a record of more than $3 billion to sponsor the games. Uh, additional sponsors paid another $200 million to extend contracts from last year after they, yep. after they were postponed to this year. But ironically, that has been kind of put on hold because a lot of those Japanese companies, I'm thinking big, big Japanese yeah. companies, Toyota is the mm-hmm. big one that comes to my mind, they're pulling their sponsorship money right now. Mm-hmm. They are no longer. They are not happy that Japan continued to have these Olympics in spite of everything that's going on, and therefore these billions of dollars that they were going to pay for their sponsorship, they've now pulled away. out. So the Olympic situation in Japan, while it will probably have some great television, I'm, I'm anticipating mm-hmm. watching quite a bit of yes. good Olympic competition. The financial situation for a country that's already, you know, been on a slow growth motion for a long time is not going to get any better. Yeah, and. So watch, you mentioned watching the Olympics. So NBC Universal has the rights. Comcast is their parent company. So Comcast, they paid $4.38 billion. So far, they brought in $1.25 billion for just this games. And that was for pre-postponement. And so now, you know, their sponsors looking again this year to say, okay, are there people wanting to pay more for additional sponsorship for this year? Mm-hmm. So if you look at $1.25 billion, if you paid four and you got how many uh, four olympics during that time frame okay you're probably getting close to breaking even or making a little profit right. off that deal well and if you think about it four billion dollars for i'm thinking nbc had to come up with the money to pay for that obviously sure they had a variety of ways to do that but that expires this year this mm-hmm. agreement so that was four olympics they got expiring in 2021 but for 2020 olympics it's pretty much up for bid probably yeah, for the next round be in there. and you know who's going to be players in the next round Streaming streaming media. companies mm-hmm. like I'm thinking Amazon likely yep. is going to be writing checks to try and get this to Apple. work. Apple could, who knows? Mm-hmm. These companies with exclusive exclusive money. streaming uh, is going to be big. Yeah, yeah. I, NBC obviously can continue to do it with their Peacock service. Yep. But I'm wondering if there's a you know obviously the U.S. Olympic Committee probably has a say in this. And the thing about NBC is. It's free over airs, right? You don't have to have any service to receive that. If you have an antenna, you can, you're close to at least some city, you yeah. can get it. So I'm wondering if that has a waiting too. If they'll have to work out some deal that, yes, let's say Amazon gets the rights, but you also have to make sure that at least the primary events are available. Something, you know, something like Probably that. Probably. I wonder. Because from a business case for yep. a company like Amazon, they could write a $4 billion check or $10 billion yep. check tomorrow and host the next six Olympics and be done. But yeah, I think that there probably is some fair and equitable dis- distribution yep. kind of discussion yep. that goes along with that. So this is a unique Olympic, obviously. Yep. This Olympics is have happening in the middle of COVID-19 pandemic that's kind of still going on and in some instances around the world, kind of getting a little worse right now. Talk about some statistics about COVID and this specific Olympics. Yep. So these, these numbers are as of July 20th, all right? So this is right before the ceremony opened, the official ceremony started, and 71 athletes had already tested positive for COVID-19. And then in this same time period, July 20th, Japan had an increase in cases, about a 26% increase from the prior week, or 1,700 cases. Well, there's a lot more people there. There are. (laughs) And so that's, that's... 
part of you talk about the protests. That's part of what they're worried about right. is, you know, if you bring in a lot of people flying in, there could be a chance for this to start spreading again. Yeah, exactly. And Japan is not like a lot of the world is not yet caught up to the level that uh, the U.S. is in terms of vaccination rates and like that. So the general public is going to be less apt to be yep. thrilled about going out and doing those sort of things. Hence the protests that yep. we're talking about here. Wow. That's All a right. lot. I this is a financial podcast. I know I can't let this podcast Let's wrap up without talking numbers and nerdiness yes. because that's what I do. So I'm going to get a little nerdy. And I, I received an email from a great data provider that we use called Bespoke Investment Group. They're great. They have some really cool insights into this stuff, but some statistics about the markets during Olympic times. Yes. Okay, let's talk about that. So during the summer, we're talking specifically summer Olympic Games, Mm -hmm. historically speaking, so we can go all the way back to the 1928, so almost 100 years worth of Olympics, the 1928 Olympics, all the way till now, uh, well, I guess through 2016 Olympics in the summer, the S&P 500 has been positive during the Olympic time period, 57% of the time. Okay. Okay? The S&P 500 has returned an average, so that, as we know, averages can be skewed, yes. but an average of 1.67% over that couple-week period. Yeah. It's about three weeks, right? Total, yep. give or take. So the middle of that, so the median, however, is only 0.13% percent of okay. returns so, so essentially flyers yeah yeah so it's essentially there were some really big numbers for example the positive financial performance that los angeles provided mm-hmm. the s&p 500 was up 9.41 percent oh boy they for like that, that week they for that like few week Olympics. period in 1984 another outlier in 1932 for the prior los angeles olympics they, were, they hosted it they again. hosted it again that the S&P 500 was up 16.09% in that, that period. That was in the 30s, huh? Now, that time period in the late 20s and early 30s, if we know about what happened, that was a really rough time in the stock market. It was there all was over the place. A terrible sell-off. I mean, more than, I mean, 50% would have been light. It was yeah. like 80%. Mm-hmm. And so rebounds happened yes. like that, 16%. But anyway... Funny that the two biggest returns happened when the Olympics were held in Los Angeles. But if you look at it a little bit differently, if you look at the host country stock Mm -hmm. market, and these are returns in their local currency, but the host country stock market, for example, Rio de Janeiro in 2016, the Brazilian stock market was up 2.49% over that period. London in 2012, 3.91%. 2008... Now, there was a lot of other things going on in 2008. Apparently, I heard. Beijing, the Chinese stock market was down 7.69% during that period. It's just crazy, the, some of these numbers. But if you look at them in the same terms that we had just talked about, those local country stock markets were positive 77.8% of the time. Oh, that's nice. So that's even better than the 57.1% yeah. of oh, the S&P 500. Yeah. The median or the middle return, so that's usually a better Mm -hmm. indicator, was up 2.49% for the host country. And the average was actually lower at 1.82%. Interesting. Interesting. So anyway, you're looking to make bazillions of dollars from big stock market swings in the Olympic time period. 
that's probably not the best bet right yeah. now. Yeah. The if you're only investing yeah. once every four years yeah. for the summer Olympics, and the uh, yeah, the averages typically have averaged some pretty muted returns. So I wouldn't get your hopes up for a gigantic rally at this point. But what those I are, would like to see is the stats on any countries that have the most gold medal wins and how that correlates to the stock market. We need to get on. Man, that would be Paul. Yeah, total Paul market from count, Bespoke. total medal count per market performance. It's happening. Irrelevant. Next year. Next Olympics, Josh. That's what it would be. It would be totally irrelevant. Yeah. Is that a leading indicator? It, no, it's not. When America gets the mo- wins the most medals, does our stock market outperform for the next decade or four years? We'll see. So anyway, that was my nerdiness, but I wanted to remind our amazing listeners two things. Number one, it's still not too late. It is still not too late to enter our 2021 second half stock draft competition. It's not too late. Go ahead and do that. If you entered now, you might actually be beating people because yes. some people like me have already lost money with fake money. I think I'm in last place. So, Well, awesome. I wasn't going to bring that up, Josh. That's all right. As always, number two, check out our free gift to you. It's a brief list of eight principles of timeless investing. These are overarching investment themes meant to keep you on track to meet your long-term goals. It's free on our website. We don't mention the Olympics in that at all. Mm-hmm good to know though josh how can people help us grow this podcast yeah make sure you subscribe that way every thursday you get our most recent episode sent right to wherever you listen leave us a review at apple podcast it's always great helps us rank higher so that more people can find us if you have any questions or thoughts about the olympics you can shoot us an email at hello at the invested and then if you know somebody who loves the olympics you can share this episode with them maybe they'll find something interesting all right we will talk to you next time until next thursday have a great week all right talk to you later bye thank you for listening to the invested dads podcast this episode has ended but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.